Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. Every once in a while, we gotta f*** the religious people. There are 720 churches in Charlotte. I'm sure we can find one where you can stuff your face. Shut up. Quit pointing out the problem. Men will be proud, arrogant, abusive. You watch some of today's rock star pastors and you will see every characteristic Paul listed played out in vivid detail on the church stage. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Frio. And away we go. It's the Wretched Radio mail call delivery bag Q&A infotainment nationwide extravaganza Featuring your voicemails, correspondences, communiques, dispatches, memorandums, and missives. Any special message for all the kids watching at home? What we need right now is a clear message to the people of this country. You have 1,200 messages. That is a bit above average. Now, here's your host, Todd Freakishly Tall Friel. The mail is here! Ooh, this is Wretched Radio, just sitting around waiting for you! To send a question, comment, conundrum, or snark to idea at wretched.org. And don't forget, sermons, snorries, stories, or articles, anything that you think is wretched, we want it. Idea at wretched.org. Okay, this one comes from... Did that sound kind of like gruff and intimidating? It did. Okay, good. Yeah. That's what I was going for. And put your name on it. Because <laughs> Jimmy struggles to pronounce Anani Moo every right. time. <laughs> That's right. Christine uh, has an interesting question. She said, Todd, is it bad if sharing your testimony with a congregation because of a fear of public speaking stands in the way of you becoming a member of the church you've attended for a couple of years? Well, I suspect if you talk to the elders and share your struggle, they wouldn't make publicly speaking a prerequisite for church membership. I understand why they would do such a thing. I think that's their prerogative, but it is not what makes you a member of a church. What makes you a member of a church is that, first of all, you've repented and put your trust in Jesus Christ. You are a member of the universal church. What makes you a member of the local church is that you agree with the elders that you are going to commit your time, your money, your energy, your gifts, and you're not going to live a licentious lifestyle, and you're not going to skedaddle without telling them that you're going to a new church. And so different churches can have different formalities. I suspect if you just share it with them, that they would have an understanding heart about that. And worst case scenario, could you read your your testimony? Could you read your statement? I understand some people totally get the heebie-jeebies when it comes to public speaking. Totally get that. So if you can read it, terrific. Talk to your elders, terrific. And if they decide, no, you can't be a member of this church, um, you you might just want to dig a little deeper into that to discover why they would have a law where I don't know that there is a law. Please send your emails to idea at wretched.org. All right, this one comes from Michelle. Todd, how should I respond when a friend says that Ray Comfort's style of evangelism seems to be more fear-based and leads to false converts? Last time I checked that converts should be fearful. It shouldn't be the predominant emotion, but it is the fear of the Lord that's the beginning of wisdom. And don't forget, it isn't just somebody who sees an angel who is told to fear not. We're told to fear not, not just in the Old Testament, but the New Testament too. We don't have a servile fear, but we do have a reverential fear. So for starters, I'd be inclined to tell my friend, fear is not a bad thing. 
fear is your friend. And so if using the law, talking about the threatenings that are actually in the Bible causes somebody to be afraid, that's good. Because then they can flee to the rock. They can find safety in Jesus Christ. Furthermore, we don't know that if somebody is fearful upon conversion, that that makes them a false convert. You'd have to find biblical support for that. I would find more support for it. No, fear is a component that is appropriate for a convert. Now, keep in mind, Romans 2, it is the kindness of God that should lead us to repentance. This is, this is important and crucial, and perhaps explanatory when it comes to your current Christian walk. If you are struggling with assurance of salvation, am I in, am I out? I would ask you the question, why did you come to the Lord? And I I would be careful how I would phrase this, but if you just came because you were afraid, I don't think that necessarily means you're not saved, but it could be a sign that that is the problem with your current Christian walk. Yes, we should hear the laws of God and understand his holiness and his righteousness and his justice and be afraid. But that's not what should motivate us primarily to run to him. It should be his kindness that leads us to salvation. So if you perhaps haven't come to the Lord because he's the one that you want, he, he he's suddenly the most important person in the universe. That's why we come to the Lord. Uh, I, I know this. Uh, I I was a get out of hell free card guy. That's all I want. That's all I wanted, and my life reflected it because it certainly was not a testimony that God had saved me. It is the kindness of God that leads to repentance, which I know Ray Comfort leads them to. But you can't show them the kindness of God until you show them the severities of God. It is only when you open up the law that the gospel makes sense and God is seen as amazing. The higher your view of God, the more joy and gratitude you have. Please send emails to idea at wretched.org. All right. This one from Miriam who says someone commented that God's love is elevated uh, elevated above his wrath. And I cannot find any scripture to support this. Can you help me in my understanding? Furthermore, you're not going to find any verses that elevate any of his attributes over the other. That's not the way God works. God isn't a puzzle. He doesn't have a piece of holiness, love, gentleness, wrath, anger. And then he puts the whole puzzle together and, oh, there's the picture of God. No, all of those things are what he is. They're, they're not divided. They're, they're not put in a flow chart. It's who he is. He is all of that all the time. Now, you could say that holiness would be the highest of attributes. I prefer to say that it is the, it is the descriptor that I think best helps us to understand the totality of who he is, that he is otherly. He is different than we are. He is a consuming fire. He is a spirit. He is omnipotent and omniscient, etc. So the word holiness, I think, describes all of his attributes, but I just don't know that we've got biblical support for putting one attribute on top of 
the other. Furthermore, if we do that, it really comes close to character to really compromising the character of God. Got to watch out for that. Please send emails idea at wretched.org. All right. This one here is from Crystal. She was hoping you could provide some clarity on the Dallas Jenkins statement that Mormons and evangelicals worship the same Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's really clear. I'm glad he said it that way because um, that reveals a really big problem. If somebody professes that and they don't repent of that, um, that that's an individual on whom church discipline should fall. We would be very concerned about anybody that would say that the Jesus of Jehovah's Witness, Mormonism, Roman Catholicism is the same, isn't, just isn't. That would be a statement outside of orthodoxy, and it would be up to his local church to pursue him, to help him see you need to recant of that. Now, maybe, though, the question that jumped to the forefront of your mind is, does that mean I shouldn't watch The Chosen? And and I would say, if you force me to give a yes or no answer, yes. Yes, it does mean that. We just don't want to be putting our eyes on something that is created by somebody who makes statements like that. Furthermore, who engages those people to be contributors to the content of the program, which the chosen has. Roman Catholic priests, somebody from the Mormon church. Uh, it's, it's, it's something that should just cause us to go, ah, you know what? I don't need it. I've got a Bible, and that's most certainly a more sure word. And that is why I would say, like, could there be some redeeming aspects of it? Yeah, I think it's fraught with danger. Anytime you do a movie or a story about Jesus that isn't word for word from the Bible, like has been done for the Gospel of John and the Gospel of Matthew, both, I think, were commendable efforts. But when you start to script Jesus or imagine this or that, oof. You are in dangerous territory. Please send emails to idea at wretched.org. All right. This one comes from Sebastio. He says, Todd, I'm having uh, problems with daily Bible reading. I don't have the same strength as before that could keep me focused on the word and its context of reading. Could you help me? Need a new strategy. That's all. You just need a new strategy. If I asked you, how should a Christian be reading their Bible every day? I hope you would say, well, we kind of, um, it depends. I, well, there's no rule. There's no legalistic formula. You're right. And so if you're under the perception that you've got to read it 30 minutes a day while meditating, praying, etc., that's, that's fine if that's what works for you. But if you need to do it differently, shorter bites, do it throughout the course of the day for a few minutes if that's the strength that you have. Have somebody read it to you. Listen to it on audio. There's all kinds of ways to digest the Bible, and there's all kinds of methods. There's all kinds of styles. There's all kinds of formulas. And you shouldn't feel guilty if it doesn't meet a standard that actually doesn't exist. Send your emails to idea at wretched.org if you'd be so kind. This is Wretched Radio. Permit me to introduce you to Brie and Salvation Dominoes preborn style when one person gets saved they have that burning desire to just make him known the same way that was made known to them and then it's just this domino effect brie currently volunteers at a preborn life center how did she get saved 
from a friend whose mother got saved at, you guessed it, a preborn life center. Why? Because preborn, it is indeed about saving babies' lives via $28 ultrasounds, but it is also sharing the gospel so that moms and dads get saved. And look at the domino effect. Would you please consider supporting preborn centers with as many free ultrasounds as you can? $28 for an ultrasound, 80% of the time saves a life. Learn more at preborn.org slash wretched. Thank you for joining us for Wretched Radio today. When is the last time you took a gander around the Wretched Store? If it's been a while, I'd like to urge you to do so today. The Wretched Store is home to tons of great resources, books, booklets, videos, MP3s, and curriculum. And I'll go out on the limb and say that everybody will be able to find something they'll love and learn from in the Wretched Store. So take some time and peruse all we have available wretched.org slash store all of the resources that you'll find are only made possible by the support of our gospel partners we can't produce the content that we're able to produce without that ongoing support so while you're visiting the wretched store at wretched.org would you also consider taking a look at our donate page by clicking the give link at the top of the page there you'll find all the information you will ever need regarding becoming a gospel partner wretched.org slash store wretched.org slash donate Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. Hey, Tomorrow Club supporter, this message from Paul Marty, the director of the Tomorrow Clubs, is just for you. You know, it's been more than 25 years now since my wife Cindy first brought leaders and kids together for the very first Tomorrow Club. Hundreds of thousands of lives have been touched. We're grateful for all the ways you help kids in forsaken places learn to follow Jesus. Thank you for your support of the Tomorrow Club's $30 a month Disciples 30 Kids in Eastern Europe and now in Africa, where Tomorrow Clubs anticipates they could be opening up 100 new clubs in a year. Would you please consider becoming a Tomorrow Club supporter? Kids clubs that meet in forsaken places, they get loved on, they hear the gospel, they memorize Bible verses, and they're getting saved. To support your own Tomorrow Club, please visit tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Important dates in Christian history. 325 AD. The Council of Nicaea was called to address debates perplexing the church, primarily concerning the nature of Jesus. The Nicene Creed was drafted and is still one of the standards of orthodoxy among Christians. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Please send your emails to idea at wretched.org. This is Wretched Radio. And frankly, this is a lot creepier than my barking. Send your emails to idea at wretched.org. I think I prefer that guy over this guy. It's... Let me try. Let me sounds try. like Christian radio in the middle of the night. <laughs> I'm going to try that. Mm, no, don't. Please. Please send emails to idea at wretched.org. From Vanessa, Todd, my friends and I were discussing the question about baptism versus communion first that you had last week and wondering if you think differently regarding kids. Do you think it can be different? a different order for kids? Some of us take let our kids take communion, yeah. but they're not baptized yet. Yeah, you know what? We did that too, and I wish we hadn't. 
I, I don't think we should be doing that because baptism is the, is the public testimony that they're saved. And that would mean that the person has gone through a little bit of a test to see if their confession is indeed sound. So I, 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 I just don't think we should be reversing the order for the sake of the kids to participate. Now, I know the emotion that a parent has, but, 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 but I don't want them to just have to sit there. I feel that, but you can use that positively. Hey, right now, it's not safe for you to take communion. That, that's what 1 Corinthians 11 says. It's not safe. So once you make a profession of faith, get baptized, then you can partake in communion. So while we're celebrating it, just sit and think about that and what it will be like when you get to and why it's so important that you hasten to the Savior to get saved. Then you get baptized. Then we can take communion together as a family. I think that's the order. Remember, our, our concern for fidelity to how we're supposed to be distributing the elements of communion needs to be firm. Furthermore, because we are concerned about somebody who takes it unworthily, meaning they're not saved or living in unrepentant sin or at war with someone in the body, they can get weak, sick, or even die. You don't want that for your kids. So don't expose them to that. Preach the gospel to them. Encourage them to get saved and baptized. And once again, I will bring it up. If you have not been baptized, you have repented and trusted in Jesus Christ, and you have not been dunked yet, what are you waiting for? What do you? If Jesus said to you, here's the first thing I want you to do. Chew a piece of juicy fruit. You'd go, well, hmm, don't know that I get that, but okay. And you'd put a piece of juicy fruit into your mouth you would just do it. Jesus says, when you get saved, get baptized. Why won't you just do it? What are you waiting for? Now, just to really milk a really bad illustration right into oblivion, imagine that it, what the command was, eat a piece of juicy fruit. And somebody told you, hey, I got saved. And you said, well, have you eaten a piece of juicy fruit then? No. Did you know that you're supposed to? Yeah. What are you waiting for? Um, well, I got to stop at the store and there's just a gas station near my house that I really don't like. It's a little bit sketch. So I don't, I'm not exactly sure where to find juicy fruit. And, you know, they, sometimes stores don't have juicy fruit, especially in this brave new world we're living in. So, you know, I'll get to it one of these days. You'd go, hold it, hold it, hold it. You do not understand the urgency of the command. Get baptized and please send your emails to idea at wretched.org all right from christy who says my church handed out envelopes yesterday one per family and said there was 30 to 50 dollars inside each envelope the pastor then directed us as our mission to find someone needy share the love of christ with them give them the money and invite them to church though i feel like this is bribery kind of like raffling off a tv or dvd player should I or should my family participate? Yeah. Uh, okay. If I were sitting in that church, would I do that? Probably not. Is is the church sinning by doing so? Well, probably not. I don't know, of course. 
But I, I think part of the confusion of it is this. First of all, doing, doing good for people, yeah, it includes giving them money. But doing it with the motive of inviting them to church so that they come to church, uh, that sure does feel like a little bit of a bribe to me. Furthermore, it confuses inviting people to church with evangelism. When you invite somebody to church, that is perfectly fine, well, and good, but that isn't evangelism. You're not rescuing people. you got to open up your mouth and actually use the law and the gospel in order to evangelize. So these types of ideas, we see this. This is kind of a twist on the, the trend that I've seen. Typically, a church will earmark a certain amount of money. They'll go out and they'll just give it away. Well, they're asking people to give it away. I've heard of that before. With the intention of inviting them to church, as if you've got to grease the skids, Ah, uh, uh, sorry. I just, I just don't like gimmicks, and I don't like confusing evangelism with inviting people to church. But as long as church has been brought up in the subject, there is a church that is doing. <laughs> they're calling, uh, whatever. Basically, they're calling attempt God. Oh, here it is, right here. I got it. <laughs> this was sent to idea at wretched.org. This is from the church website. Here's our commitment to you. If you tithe for 90 days and don't see God's blessing in your life, we'll refund 100% of your money. Take the 90-day tithe test. What a gimmick. <laughs> a money-back guarantee. Money back. Because that's why you give money to God to get stuff. We all know that. How's about you give money to God to give money to God? And isn't it interesting, too, your tithe amount, it has to be directed at them. Ooh. Something like this, if you're in, if you're in a church that does something like this, this this is squirm worthy. This is problematic. A mark of a false teacher is that they want money. And if you are sitting underneath preaching that is gunning for your tithe, which in my estimation, 10% is not a biblical concept, even so. It's just money you gotta give, you gotta give, especially give to get. Woof. That's somebody who is flirting with being a false teacher. I would consider strongly whether or not you are in a safe home or not. Please send emails to idea. You know, as long as I brought up giving, because I just did. Maybe you're a little afraid to give to your church because you're not sure how they're going to use the money. Let's go back to that other church that's giving away 30, 50 bucks of your money. Because that's where the money comes from. So the people who are in charge, presumably elders, I hope, they made a decision. This is how we're going to spend the money that is given to the church. You can live with that because you didn't give money to God to make sure that it's used specifically the way that you would like to use it. You give it to God as an offering and then you're done with it. And that means if they use it poorly, and frankly, every church will in some way, shape or form in everybody's opinion, at some point, don't go, oh, I shouldn't be given the money. They spent too much on decorating the nursery. You didn't give it to make sure that they were stingy in the nursery. You gave it to God, and you can rest in that even if your good church biffs on occasion. Please send emails to idea at wretched.org. Dear Mr. Friel, mm. it's only mm. one mister. Mm. You know what? The deer just is not going to cut it. It's Mr. Mr. Friel, please. Okay, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll leave that out next time. Or you may just throw the letter away. They, <laughs> they messed it up. <laughs> no, let's find them and dox them. Okay. <laughs> That's what we need to do. 
All right, Mr. Friel, a well-known pastor, is holding a massive book burning. Everything from books from the Masonic Lodge, Harry Potter, Twilight. My question is, is a book burning something Christians should be doing? Should be doing. Mm, Let me replace that word with could be doing. Yes. Nothing wrong with that. I don't think that once you get saved, you've got a bunch of bad books on your shelf. Don't go giving them away. Throw them away. If you want to burn them because that's what you want to do and maybe because it becomes a a group activity, I don't think that's problematic. Should you do that? That's one of the questions that we always need to ask when we are confronted with making decisions on things like this is the question of testimony. What does it speak even though it is silent? What are we telling the world? My feeling on it is that most people would hear that and go, oh, yeah, yeah, book burning. Yeah, that's what they did in Nazi Germany. You Christians are just like that. Yeah, that's what they used to do with bad books during the Puritan. You guys are just like that. You guys don't want any freedom of speech, which is kind of ironic coming from an unbeliever these days. I think the message of it says we're probably kind of stuck in an era that's perceived as being not very progressive and on the right side of history. So I don't know that I would do it. I don't know that you should do it, but I would say that you could do it. Each church can make decisions like that. And interesting, speaking of churches making decisions by themselves and individuals making those individual decisions, one of these days, thanks to your emails sent to idea at wretched.org, we are going to open up and have a longer conversation and dissection and examination of libertarianism. Because we all believe that there should be government restraints. The question is, and this is this is why so many people are drawn to libertarianism, why and how and how many of those restraints and where do we draw those lines on those restraints? We will do that one of these days because you've sent a lot of interesting thoughts about libertarianism to idea at wretched.org. This is Wretched Radio. This is Wretched Radio, and I'm Jimmy Hicks. Well, it looks as though Black Lives Matter, the actual organization, could be at risk of losing their tax-exempt status. The California Attorney General recently sent a letter to the organization requesting financial information for the year 2020, or they would lose their status. That's a hefty amount of money, and it makes me wonder how interested in social justice the founders of Black Lives Matter would actually be if it wasn't as profitable as it seems to be. Just wondering. Actually, I promised I'd kill my baby if I got pregnant. I really would. Are you kidding me? No, we are so That disgusting soundbite was part of a longer video of students at the University of Kentucky mocking the victims of baby murder by dancing on their graves. You know, to hear how these young women speak about easily making the decision to take the life of an innocent child just breaks my heart. Sure, it angers me at times, but largely it breaks my heart because I know that inherently these young ladies know what they support is wrong. And I know that if any of these young ladies would ever make that decision to murder their baby, they would come to regret it. Maybe not today, maybe not this year or even in this lifetime. But when they stand face to face with the God that they war against, they will regret it. So my heart breaks for the condition of their hearts, and I pray that they one day will hear the gospel 
and be saved. Earlier this week, data was released by the Texas Health and Human Services Commission in regard to the Texas Heartbeat Act. Since the law went into effect in September last year, five full months now, over 11,000 babies have been saved from needless and senseless murder. That's roughly 75 abortions prevented per day in the state of Texas. A remarkable feat that I continue praying will lead to an outright ban across the country. Well, in the state of California, Governor Gavin Newsom, who regularly supports laws that make it easier to murder babies, well, he's at it again. In anticipation that Roe v. Wade could be overturned in the summer, Newsom first declared California to be a sanctuary state for baby murder, and then he gathered 40 baby murder organizations together to create an abortion manifesto. The document has 45 points, which state, among other things, that California taxpayers should not only fund the murder of babies, but also foot the bill for other expenses like travel, hotels, meals, lost wages, and sick time for those having abortions. And that's not all. He also wants taxpayers to repay the student loans of those who perform the baby murder. This guy. While we're at it, why don't we just create an award for Baby Murderer of the Year and hand out prizes? Do not risk incurring the anger of the Chinese government because they are ruthless. That's Nancy Pelosi speaking to American athletes prior to their departure for the Olympics in Beijing. If she really believes that U.S. athletes are in danger of retaliation by the Chinese communist government if they speak out about China's genocide, then why are we even participating? More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Names of God One name the Bible gives to God is the Greek word despotes, which means absolute ruler. Despotes is related to the English word despot. As absolute ruler, God has ownership rights over all mankind. Yet our Master and Lord Jesus Christ became a man, suffered and died on the cross for his people. The absolute ruler is also our example of ultimate humility. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Hey, you're at your computer. How's about sending a question, comment, conundrum, or snark to idea at wretched.org? This is Wretched Radio. And if I could do a shout out, as long as you're at your computer, if you're looking for an alternative to traditional health insurance, please scoot to MediShare. MediShare.com slash wretched. MediShare, M-E-D-I, share.com slash wretched and discover why 400,000 Christians are using MediShare to provide for their families' health care needs. This is an alternative to insurance. We pay one another, and I say we because I'm in it, we pay one another's health care bills. It works magnificently, and we're, by the way, this is one of the rare times. The pagans are now copying us. I don't know if you've seen these ads. There's there's an organization. It's totally secular that's trying to do the exact same thing. I think that's an encouragement. Okay, this Christian idea of sharing one another's burdens, it's a good one, and it works, and it's sound, and your family will be safe. Of course, it is up to you to make sure that MediShare is exactly right for you. So do that at MediShare.com slash wretched. Or you can call them and you can find out if you'll be saving about, give or take, $500 a month compared to what you're paying right now. 844-34-BIBLE. 844-34-BIBLE. And please send your emails to idea at wretched.org. From James, Todd, I have a friend. And this friend says that Paul's letters are not in not the inspired word of God because he was trying to carry out his own agenda in the early church. 
how do I respond to this? I'd probably quote Peter that 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 his works are inspired. Peter knew it. Now, we can get into some sanctified musings about did they know that they were being moved by the Holy Spirit? The answer is I don't know, but Peter knew that Paul's writings were inspired. I want to say it's Second Peter. It's not very long, so read the whole thing. It's only three chapters. You can you can find it there. But it refers to P, to Paul's writings as being inspired and authoritative. So from the Bible, you have the stamp of approval on Paul and his writings. Furthermore, you have the affirmation of the of the Jerusalem church regarding Paul. He met with the elders. He met with the disciples. He was sent by them as, as a missionary, and he took three pretty big trips. So everything about internally from the Bible tells us, you know, Paul was not about his own agenda. He gave up his agenda. That's the whole story. And it's interesting, isn't it, that somebody would say that. It's like, well, where do you get this idea? How do you even know that Paul exists? The Bible? Okay, good. So why don't we just use that as the authoritative source to tell us what was his agenda? And his agenda was pretty simple. He loved people. He wanted to see them saved. His heart pouring out in Romans chapter 9, how he longed for the Jewish people to be saved and how he risked life and limb so that Gentiles could be saved when he revealed the mystery of God. Paul was not about his way. And what did he get for his agenda? Imprisonment, beatings, suffering, starving, shipwrecked, and executed. That's what I might tell my friend. Please send your emails to idea at wretched.org. From Anonymous, Paul, I have, or Paul, you're not Paul, you're Todd. Uh, Todd, I have a question that I can't. See, now here's what we're all thinking. <laughs> what? Anonymous is Paul. <laughs> Maybe so. <laughs> but I'm sure he can wrap his head around this question. You've never called me Paul before. Are you sure you want to use this email? Will Paul be incriminated? No, he will not. All right. <laughs> I have a question that I can't... Paulette. It's Paulette. It's Paula. There you go. Pauline. Huh. <laughs> I have a question that I can't seem to wrap my head around. Does repentance involve the willingness to make restitution for past sin? Yeah. I constantly feel like I get thoughts of past mistakes I've committed, and I have to go tell people I'm sorry for them. And if I don't, I don't truly have a repentant heart. Mm, no, because first of all, you're not going to be able to do that for all the sins you've committed. So you're going to be incomplete in your task. And that doesn't mean that you're not saved. It just means that you can't do all of that, get to all of that. you got to continue living life. But your attitude should be, if I can, if I bump into that person from sixth grade that, that I punched in the nose, I'm, believe me, I'm going to say I'm sorry. Now, am I going to go spend 10 hours on Facebook trying to find the person? Probably not necessary unless it is something that genuinely caused damage that really was affected, that your behavior, your words affected somebody profoundly. They're suffering from it. Go make it right. Yes, we should try to, but we can't possibly do it for everything. If you want to read more on the subject and where my affirmative answer of yes came from, it's 2 Corinthians 7, I think about verses 9 through 11, talks about repentance. And one of them is, I got to make this right. So do your best to do that, but don't find yourself twisted in knots and find your feet in cement, not able to do anything else because you're just consumed with going through a catalog of sins you committed that you need to repent for. Oh, that hurts. 
ah, what is, what is that? Yeah. Okay, look, I realize this may or may not be in the DSM-5, but just grammar for me, <laughs> if, if, I, if I write it, it just hurts. It, you know what I can't get used to? I'm trying to get used to this. The law used to be you don't start a sentence with a conjunction. No but, no and. You don't do it. Now you can. I can't. And when I do, it's like, <laughs> maybe I need to go to biblical counseling. Please send your emails to, I no, I definitely do, idea at wretched.org. I know a place. <laughs> Wait till you see these shows. Uh, Jimmy, have you seen any of the Transform I, shows yet? I have not. Dude, walk down the hall. They're all done working <laughs> feverishly on them. Poor Rebecca's been burning the candle from both ends and in the middle, trying to get them all edited and ready to go, which we will. We'll be on time with it. It's I just saw I just saw the episode of Tyler, the fellow with OCD. This is what Tyler, who struggled to leave the house because he was afraid of not locking the door and leaving his family vulnerable. Multiple times said what you regularly hear in biblical counseling. I never thought of that. Oh, I've never seen that before. Transformed. It's biblical counseling in action. It's going to be a new TV series. It will be out April 1st. We are also working. David is working on a study guide. Which that's going to be so helpful. You can show this in your church, Sunday school, youth group, whatever. Because biblical counseling will help Anyone, especially people who have bad grammar phobia, please send emails to idea at wretched.org. All right. From Madeline, Todd, I understand that in order to be saved, a person must surrender all to Christ. I've been consciously unsaved and crying out to God for mercy for several months now and have found that perhaps what is hindering me from finding him is reservation in my surrender to him. I'm holding on to certain sins. I find that when it comes to certain things, I'm just simply unwilling to let them go and cannot make them loosen their grip on my heart so I can yield it to Christ. want to be careful and thoughtful at this moment because no man knows the state of anybody's soul, really. So I I, I would like to speak a tender word and a more severe word. Let's start with the severe. That's problematic. The heart of the Christian, we were, we were just talking about repentance, the heart, the trajectory. It's not that we do it perfectly, but the desire is this. And in this instance, upon salvation, it's, it's to give, I don't want anything bad in my life. I don't want to pursue anything sinful. I do not want to have idols. I don't want the lesser thing. I want Jesus. I'll give it up. That's the attitude. Do you do it perfectly? No, you don't. But that is your desire. If you don't possess that desire, uh-oh, that's scary. It really is scary because Jesus makes it really, read through Luke chapters 10 through 19 or 20, just blasts away. This is what true salvation looks like. So if you think, you know what, I, I, I do want to come to Jesus, but I need to go look at the piece of land that I bought that I've already taken a look at, or I need to go bury somebody in the family, or I need to go back to the farm. I've got to say goodbye to these people. Uh-oh. Jesus said you're not fit for the kingdom of God. So if you are trying to repent, but it is not complete and total, you would have valid grounds for being concerned about the state of your soul. The tender word. Be careful with this. Be careful. 
because our repentance needs repenting. We, 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 I, I, as much as I desire to not sin, I don't desire to not sin as much as I should desire it. It's incomplete. So watch out for that, because it might be that you have indeed been born again, but the Lord is now addressing some issues in your life that before too you were loving, and now he wants you to hate them, and you're wrestling with it, then that should cause you to not be as concerned than with the aforementioned scenario of, I still just want to hold on to this one sin. So be careful. Now, where could you get a more definitive rendering, if you will? Your local church. Meet with your pastor. Meet with your elders. This is the beauty of the local church in action. They can ask questions. They'll probe. They'll pry. And they will help you to have assurance or to actually get saved. I would simply ask you, what sin compares to Jesus? This is Wretched Radio. Good news? There are actually thousands of pastors in Germany. The bad news is they're not very equipped. Theological training in Germany and in Europe is so needed because you don't really get any formal training, not in a church or anywhere else. Being at a PMAI training center, probably the first time that you ever get any formal training, how to understand scripture, the church, and how to apply it in your own life. Germany is not the only nation that has a drought of qualified pastors, but the Masters Academy International is changing that one country at a time, currently in 17 nations, with mini seminaries, with graduates from the Master Seminary, training indigenous men to rightly divide the word of truth. Would you please consider adopting your own seminary in one of 17 nations? Please visit wretched.org slash pastor, wretched.org slash pastor, wretched.org slash pastor. I want to share with you voicemails we receive nearly daily here at Wretched. Wretched Radio has just really impacted my life. Just really brought me closer to God. Through your video, God saved me. Wouldn't know what to do if I didn't have NRB and Wretched TV. Just wanted to say that Wretched has changed my life. We are grateful to hear the testimonies of our listeners and our viewers, and we want you to also hear the lives that are being impacted by you, our gospel partners. These testimonies aren't about Todd. They're not about Wretched Radio or TV. We wouldn't be able to do the things that we do at Wretched without the support of our gospel partners. So would you prayerfully consider becoming a gospel partner today if you aren't already? Help us to reach the lost all over the world with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ because ultimately the glory is all His. It's not Wretched's. It's not even yours. But it is your efforts that help make our efforts possible. And all of those efforts are to the praise and glory of God alone. Get complete details right now at Wretched.org slash donate. So there you are on your Googler machine trying to find a restaurant. What do you look for? Ratings and reviews. If it gets lots of stars, positive reviews, chances are pretty good you're going to go there. Question, would you be inclined to go to a restaurant that had a 98% approval rating and rave reviews? I suspect you would. MediShare, Affordable Biblical Health Sharing, has a 98% approval rating. 400,000 members strong, sharing one another's health care bills, saving billions of dollars over the years, saving families on average $500 a month. 
and 98% of the members of MediShare give it a hearty thumbs up. I encourage you to call them and see if MediShare is right for you and your family. 1-844-34-BIBLE. 1-844-34-BIBLE for MediShare. Attributes of God You can trust in God. Malachi chapter 3 verse 6 tells us that God is immutable. He does not change. He is faithful to fulfill His promises, just as much today as when the Bible was written. You can rest assured that His Word is still true. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Thank you. Thank you for removing my fears. This is Wretched Radio. That is the number of the old toll-free, 1-877-282-BEEP, where you can leave a message with your questions, comments, conundrums, snarks, which typically terrify me. But so many of you have been calling with church signs. You're, you're removing my fears. I don't know what phobia I have, but you scare me. So when I don't know what the beep talk is, which I don't, and you're there, I just know you're smart and you know stuff and I make mistakes. So it scares me. But when you send church signs to one eight seven seven two eight two Church sign, Jesus versus pizza. Jesus can't be topped. May I take this time to publicly confess I'm rethinking my thinking about the office of the Pope. You see, there are times when it would be nice if some sort of hierarchical structure would engage with a church that puts up a totally trite church sign and deals with them with some authority. So I'm not sure I'm ready to believe in the papacy. Okay, I'm totally not. But the point is, can we please do better than this? Does Jesus have to be used as a lame sermon illustration pun, as just a joke, a trite sign? Can we have a higher view of God than that? I'm telling you, when you meet God, whether you are saved or unsaved, pizza jokes are not going to flood your mind. You are not going to be thinking that lamely, you are going to suddenly see him high and lifted up. And I fear that a church that puts up a low sign like that does not have that view. But let's forget about churches that do this. We all need to be careful of this. We do. We need a higher view of God. We all need, I need it. You need it. Jimmy really needs it. When we have a low view of God, See how I just kept talking there? Yeah, yeah I did. <laughs> Didn't even give you a chance to breathe. That's okay. <laughs> I like pizza, too. Most of life will become increasingly aligned in a better way. I'm telling you, focusing on the bigness of God makes your problems seem small. I just I just did see an illustration that I, I, I don't know that I can repeat it. But, okay, let's just say it's a little uh, molehill, and you put a little tiny toy soldier next to it. Whoa, that molehill is big. But then you put a real soldier next to it, and you probably don't even see the molehill. 
Why? Because the so the real is so big. When we see Jesus small, life has an awful lot of mountains. It has an awful lot of challenges. It has an awful lot of things to make us scared. When we see Jesus big, mm, those problems go away. Forget these churches that do low views of Jesus church signs. We should we should all be working toward having a higher view. I know you've got a high view. Higher still. And by the way, if you're wondering, well, when do I get to the top of the high of how big and strong and powerful and amazing God is? You're never going to get there. one 282 Church sign, life without God is like a pencil. No point. Jimmy, yeah. what are your thoughts about the office of the papacy? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe maybe this this could be your next book, a guide no. how not to church sign. No, I've got <laughs> this one due and two more behind it that are in the queue. No, although I, I here you take this idea. Go ahead and just take this if you want to. I think a church sign coffee table book would be great, but not just the pictures. There needs to be an explanation as to why it is either good or bad, and try to teach people who are sitting at your house looking through your coffee books. Does anybody do that anymore? We've got coffee table books. We've got we've got fractals sitting on ours. Nobody has had the courage to open it, but it's sitting there. One eight seven seven two eight two. This church sign has nothing to do with Jesus at all. If at first you don't succeed, then skydiving might not be for you. Is that a sinful sign? No, no, it's not. It's I mean, it's a joke. It's a joke. But that's the whole point. Church isn't a joke. And it seems to me we, we, we just need a radical realtering of our understanding of ecclesiology. I was just listening to John MacArthur. And John MacArthur said that the contemporary evangelical church has become absurd. And his commentary on that statement is that it's absurd that we would be still trying to bring the world into the church. Performance, the lights, the sound, the shtick, the shows, the whatever it is that we think is going to attract people to church. It's become absurd. The, the world is so ungodly. Why would we be importing that? But I also thought it's absurd in a different way. I think it's absurd to the people who are thinking about going to church because they have an issue, a challenge, a struggle, and they go to a church and they see some whiz-bangery, and they just think, this is absurd. I don't, need th- I don't need this. And that's why I think so many evangelical churches have absolutely become absurd. People who do darken the doorstep of a church are going for a reason. In fact, let me just share. There was a tweet that I got it right here. This is from, boy, this name, I've never seen it before. Sylvester Tondarai Faravadaya. Please forgive me, sir. Dear pastor, here's the tweet. Before you is the flock of the Lord and some visitors. Some were wounded by wolves. Some were gaslighted by false teachers. Some are confused by secular ideologies. Some want to deconstruct their faith. Some traveled a long distance to attend a biblically sound church. All caps, preach the gospel. 
I would add to this list, which I'm sure he would also, if I could pronounce his name and you had that type of room on tweets, the people who are sitting there are hurting. They are confused. They are desperate. They are lonely. They are sick. They don't need trite. We don't need any more silly. Can we stop with performance art in church? And can we stop with the church signs that make Jesus a joke and tell the world, you're right, we are absurd. Church sign, when life gives you snow, makes no angel. That's just good advice, though. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for jumping in and calming me down. (laughs) Calm down. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's that's what that's what somebody who is they just they just got a pink slip. They've just been axed at work. And they're driving home and they see whatever the snow sign make a snow angel. Some were wounded by wolves, gaslighted by false teachers, confused by secular ideologies, want to deconstruct their faith or just want to be in a good church or they're sick, lonely, confused, abandoned, hurting. Can we please try to help people by speaking truth and not tritisms? I don't know if that's a word, but it is now. one 282 Hey, Todd. I was listening to the program where you played a segment from Road Trip to Truth, and uh, John Favarez was talking, and he mentioned about uh, Ten Commandments around the 1450 BCE. I was curious as to why y'all decided to go with before common era instead of the more traditional BC before Christ uh, as far as on the dating vocabulary. That's a great question. And from memory, so I might have this wrong and I'm not trying to dodge it because I feel the same way. It drives me bonkers before the common era. Well, I still have a question about that. What what makes it the common era? <laughs> Jesus! So it <laughs> They can try to run, but they can't hide. I don't like it either. I, if I recall, though, that may have been in one of the great illustrations that Johnny makes, that 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 John, another Johnny, and then John voices, where we were talking about how the world sees, I believe it was sexual history. That's what I think that that particular video was about. And so we use the language of the world in the context of the world's presentation on the issue of sex and intimacy. So I think if I'm wrong, I'll go look at it. But I think that's why we did it, because I join you. I don't like it either. There, there is a man that changed history. <laughs> hey, hey, the man who split time. It's a booklet, 22 Proofs, Jesus is God. And it, it really does amuse me that the world tries to find, well, we, we don't like this before Christ and... And, and anno domini. We don't, we don't, we don't like, is it domini dominus, us e of the Lord? I guess it would be domini, wouldn't it? Genitive? Anybody want to help me out with my Latin? Genitive of possession? At any rate, they try to get around that because they don't want the Lord invoked, but they do because he's the one who split time. And until tomorrow, go serve your king. <laughs> <laughs>